Great to be with you guys. Great to unmask and breathe, right? Very cool. So grace and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen? Great to be community in the midst of all the masks and all the craziness. So we're here to worship our God. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for truth that directs our lives and causes us to, um, well, if we think through it, live right, to give you adoration, give you homage. We praise you for that. I pray that we would think through uh, the issue of our, the art of worship today, uh, private worship, what that means in our lives is this congregation's been working through just worship in general, uh, redemptive worship, the redemptive work, and I pray that you'd help us please to honor you, to give you adoration, give you homage in all that we do. But again, thank you for the great privilege to be here. Thank you that you will see us, all of us, through all of this great mystery of all the cultural stuff, all the political stuff, all the medical stuff. We praise you that you'll see us through because of your sovereign good purposes. And we thank you for that Christ Jesus in your name. Amen. So um, someone said that worship is in the moment and the moment is every moment of your life. Psalm 27, one of my favorite psalms, probably one of yours, says this, I already used the ESV, David is all about worship, guy of worship, loved worship, and he says, one thing, that's what he says, one thing, Psalm 27, 4, one thing I have asked of the Lord. Our little grandson, Charlie Nash, who's down in Columbus, Ohio, is two and a half, almost three, well, almost three. Uh, Linda makes some cookies all the time, and we ship them there. She's going to make them this week as we go down to do a funeral down there. And he'll just say, he'll just say to Linda, Ma, one, just one, one cookie, just one. I just want one. He really wants the whole batch. But he says, just one. I just want one because one gets me going on everything. David says one thing. I got one thing I want. It's not, it's not money. It's not fame. It's not fortune. It's not women, although David had his struggles. We know it's not to be this victorious general. One thing have I asked of the Lord or that will I seek after. I'm going after it with my whole heart. Charlie's like, I want that cookie. I got to have it. I want that cookie. David says one thing, and here's what it is, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. And then he says this, to gaze. Do you know what it means to gaze at something? When we're driving at night, especially this time of year, when the deer are out there and the antelope play, or they're just going crazy chasing one another, I tell them to gaze at the side of the road. Don't miss the deer. Watch them. David says, I want to gaze. I want to study. I want to stare at the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. One thing. That's all I want. I just want to be a worshiper. I want to be that in every area of my life, and I think that quote is true for David. Worship is in the moment. The moment is every area it was of David's life. He was all about worship. It's a verb. It's active. It's, it's aggressive. It's not passive. It's involved. And it was every area of his life. Now, how do we do that? How do we do that? We were down in Georgia a couple weeks ago. We were doing a conference, a Martin Luther conference. Uh, Katie and Martin talking about the Reformation and had a blast doing that down. We love doing that. And uh, Linda's sister has had some things she needed done. She said, would you put new toilet seats on for me? And I said, sure. I love putting toilet seats on. 
I love hanging around toilets. It's like my favorite thing to do. Crawling around the floor, and I said, sure. She, I said, which bedroom? She goes, this one and this one. And the one downstairs is a little one, and there is not much room for my big head to get on the floor and get between the toilet and the wall. So I'm going, all right, I got to get this done. We went and picked the seats out at Home Depot and got the ones that don't slam. They just kind of groove down, you know. It's kind of cool. And so we, we, they went out and did something, and I went to work, and or they were gone, and I'm down there on the floor going, okay. And I had everything done, but I could not get this one little, little nut off. I couldn't get it off. So I'm going, I got a wedge. I'm trying to, and I'm trying to like, like, you know, be cool about it. So I've got to get my head wedged on the floor between the toilet and the wall, and I got stuck. I mean, literally, I got stuck. And I'm just like, I want to get out of here. I want out of here. I don't want, I want my, I mean, it's horrible. I mean, I couldn't move. My face was pressed against the toilet. My head was jammed, and I thought, the only way I'm going to get out, I'm going to end up breaking my neck to get out of here. And then God said, I got you, because I want you to remember, even putting a toilet seat on, you can worship me. I'm like, really? It stinks over here. I don't want to be down here. It's gross. I don't like hanging around then. A lot of things we don't like hanging around, a lot of stuff in life. And yet he says one thing, David says, I just, I just want to gaze at you. I want to dwell in your presence. I want to be overwhelmed by you. You can do that on the floor. And my, I finally got out. I'm here, obviously. But I mean, I literally, it bruised my skull. I'm serious. I mean, the whole week my head was hurting because I got it jammed. and I mean, I literally had to force my head out of there. Finally, I said, I got to get out of here. But in the meantime, God said, but worship me while you try to get out of here. See, worship is in the moment. Or the moments, every moment of your life. Every moment. Now, we gather for corporate worship. You've talked about that. You do that. You do it through song. You do, it through, uh, you do it through studying of the Word of God. We, we worship through creation. We see the beauty of it. We're not pantheists, but we worship our God through creation, what He's done. The heavens declare the glory of God. So we've got public, and we have corporate, and worship should be in every area of our lives. But then there is, an, and it's big for me, there is this issue of what the old dead guys said. And you know, I love the old dead guys. I love the Puritans. I love the old dead reformer dudes. They talked about private worship. You get an old hymnal. I mean an old hymnal. You open it up, it'll say, for use in public and private worship. Now, Pastor John said, don't, don't pick on my devotional studies that I put out every week. I don't like the word devotions. It reminds me of a song, Hopelessly Devoted to You. Although I like the concept in a sense theologically, I don't like the song. All right? Some of you are going, what the heck is that? But the word devotions mean, I mean I have something I got to do, I got to get it done. And when we're caught up in that in the church, it's us in the evangelical world. We got to do this, got to get it done. Got to do this, got to get it done. Got to do this, got to get it done. And devotions becomes a part of that. Now, what Pastor John does is a study to help you understand the text. It's more of a study study. So devotions, the way we think of it often, is our quiet time. When I go to camp and I speak with kids and students, even, even adults, and you say, go out and have your quiet time, you know what I find? I walk around and I see everybody sleeping. They, they go to sleep. Here's my quiet time. Thank you, Lord. There they go. 
And so this whole idea of private worship is really different than devotions or quiet time. I define it this way. It's my definition. I'm caught up in it. It's my life. I believe outside of salvation and the mysterious gift of prayer, private worship is essential for your lives. It is your life blood spiritually besides prayer. And yet we, we, just, we just don't cultivate it. So it's this way. The definition is the obedient giving. Now, I told Pastor John, too, I normally do this, this sermon, this talk, these talks. I think I did it at Faith a couple of years ago. I do. I do it over a week. So we're just staying here for the next week. You got it? We're in. We're all in. We're here. We're going to keep our masks on. We're going to be fed through tubes, and we're going to make it work, all right? So, I, so I'm, I'm compressing. I'm cramming, so you got to bear with me. But I did ask Pastor John... If you're willing, it'd be fun to come back and do part two or three somewhere down the line. Give them another break. I I love your guys. I love your pastors. Good guys. I love their families. We pray for this ministry daily. But here it is, the definition, the obedient giving. Obedience, I'm just going to, quick thoughts. You got to, it's driven by the word of God. It's not some existential, mystical, lava lamp experience. Although there is a mystery to it, but it is driven, the obedience has to do with the Word of God. So it's the private worship is motivated, driven, and it is based on the foundation of the Word of God. So it's the obedient giving, giving, not taking, but giving of adoration. We don't even know what that word means. It's a great word. If I had time, I would really illustrate this, baby. I love doing it. You'd be amazed at the illustration. Because in ancient days, you would take a guy like Pastor John. I'm the king. You put him back there. You put him on his knees, and he crawls two spaces, and then he beats his head on the floor. He is giving homage and adoration to the king. Adoration is affection. Adoration is active. Adoration is giving. It is humbling. And so this obedient giving of adoration, it is love to God, Father, Son, and Spirit in an, now listen, here's the key. This is one of our big struggles in an isolated location. Now, how hard is that today? A lot of us are going, well, with masks and COVID, it's pretty easy. We can do a lot of private worship, right? Yeah, so we've got our phones distraction. We've got our brains and our thoughts and all of the issues of life, distractions. My mind is a maze of mess. Is yours? It's filled with everything but God thoughts often. And yet this private worship, obedient giving of adoration to God in an isolated, isolated Get away from everybody. And some of you are saying, I can't do that. I've got to live and function. I'm too busy to worship God that way. So worship's in the moment. The moment's every moment of your life. In everything we do. But there is the public gathering and then there is the private intimacy with God. You've got to find a way to do that. And I'm going to tell you, as, a, as a, I love you guys and I love the privilege to be here. But I'll tell you, if you're not doing this, you're missing the great benefits of communion with a holy God that loves you deeply as his child. And the privilege to give adoration. 
And it will transform your life. One old dead guy said this about this private worship. One of my favorite old dead guys, a little Presbyterian guy, his name is Hugh Oliphant Old. Now, who names their kid Oliphant? What the heck is that? But why is it so important, this issue? He says private worship is God's workshop. Where you and I are transformed into the image of Christ. Now, what can be more important than being transformed into the image of Christ? Your wife would love more of that, and so would mine. And so would our children, and so would our neighbors, and so would this world. Private worship is God's workshop, where is one another old writer said he puts us on his loving anvil, and he beats the junk out of us in love. Private worship, God's workshop, where we, we crawl into it to give adoration, but we're transformed into the image of Christ. Now, what, what is so bad about that? It's great, it's incredible, it's supernatural, and the enemy will do everything possible to keep you from this beautiful, mystical, yet Word of God-driven experience with him. Well, I've read my little devotional for the day. Somebody wrote something in a magazine and I read it. Wow. It's not private worship. It may not even be worship. It's another academic process where you're getting some more information. Remember, this is giving. Can I put it this way? Listen, listen. I don't have time to cultivate it all, but it's you developing your own active worship celebration in an isolated place with God. And I have people say, I'm not creative enough to do that. Oh, really? With the Holy Spirit living in you, you're not creative enough. Well, what's your problem? you got a theological issue. I just can't do that. So I come to public worship where John and Pastor John, the pastors all put something together and they lead us through because they're the creative ones. God says, I created you in my image. You have creativity. Now you have the privilege, form and developing. Think about it. It's so crazy. You get to develop your own style of worship as long as it's biblical. Because you know we're complainers. I don't go to that church because the guitars are too loud. I can't worship there. I go to that church because I love a screaming guitar. Guess what? In your private worship, you can scream the guitar. Well, where am I going to do that? Find an isolated location. Or you can say, I don't like them, so you can worship in an active giving way in silence and meditation. Do you get it? All the creativity, all of, all, of, all of your complaining, I don't like this version of the Bible. I don't like that version of the Bible. I don't like the lights. I don't like the sound. I don't like this. I don't like that. I like, I don't like. In private, you can do what you want. You can create your own. You get it? And it is life transforming. Oswald Chambers said this. The measure of the worth, now listen, the measure of the worth of our public activity for God is the private profound worship that we have with God. Remember the story of Mary and Martha? Hey, Martha, Jesus said he never commends her. We really teach that incorrectly. He never commends her. Martha, thanks for being so busy and ignoring me. 
He never does. He never commends her. Mary, hey, hey, Mary, you got it right. Martha, see this, Mary? See this? See your sister? She, she's, she's at my feet. And so therefore, her doing came out of her being, and therefore her being was an act of worship, and her doing was an act of worship because it was driven by her adoration and affection for God. So you, you think through worship, the redemptive story, and you think through the work. You, you know, A.W. Tozer says, we've talked about Tozer, Pastor John and I. Tozer said, Tozer said the church doesn't need more workers, although some pastors may argue with that. The church doesn't need more workers. The church needs more worshipers, true worshipers. You get true worshipers, then you get true, loyal, heart-devoted worshipers and workers. We don't need a bunch of workers just for workers' sake. We need worshipers. C.S. Lewis said this, those who have left the most profound impact on this world, this corrupt world, are those who thought most of the next world. And so to remove the distractions of this world and be trapped in private worship is, is to be trapped in, I was speaking somewhere and some kid got, after I got through came up and said, hey, 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 Chuck, can I show you a picture I drew while you were speaking? I'm like, great. I bored you to death, right? I mean, I can be boring. I don't think I'm real boring, but I can be. Do you think I'm boring? I can figure out ways to not be boring. I'm, I, I'm being pretty tame. <laughs> Mr. McCormick knows. <laughs> That's why he hasn't asked me back to faith. I scare him and the kids, right? But, it, but it's like, you know, it, 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 this whole issue of Private worship is stepping into another world. He and this kid had a picture of him. It was called the Jesus Zone because I told a story about the Twilight Zone. It's a program kids should never watch. It's a, an old movie, an old TV show you should never watch. It's spooky. It's crazy. But it was like stepping into another dimension, another world. Now listen carefully as I, as I illustrate this issue of private worship because I'm, I'm compressing, I'm jamming, I'm screaming this out here. Twilight Zone was a program that had spooky stories. As a kid, I don't know why. My, my dad was a pastor. I don't know what he was doing, why he let me watch this. He's in heaven now. I can't rebuke him to his face. Here, right? Maybe someday when I'm up there, I say, Dad, what were you doing? And, but we, we'd watch this Twilight Zone stuff, you know, and it would freak me out. And one of them really freaked me out, lasted into our marriage. It was one about a little boy laying in his bed, and he heard sounds in the wall at night. Not sounds in the night, but sounds in the wall at night. And so he tapped on his bedroom wall. And when he tapped, his hand went through the wall into the other dimension, the other world. And he pulled it out. And I remember watching the kid's arm in and out, in and out. And I'm like, ah. And then he put it in real far to grab, and he fell through the wall, and he was in the other world. And he couldn't get back. I'm serious. It freaked me out so much as a kid, I never wanted to sleep by a wall in my life, ever. And when Lynn and I are, we had bedrooms, I always had to say, honey, you sleep by the wall. And I just kind of nudge her, see if she was going to go through. If we were arguing that day, I'd be like, well, bye, honey. Boom, there she goes. Have fun. Wherever you're going, have fun. But there's a mystical union with Christ that we have that the old dead guys talked about. we got to be careful. The mystical union must be driven by the word of God. It cannot be this existential lava lamp experience. It is founded on truth. 
But somehow we need to say, I want to step into that world. And it comes through the word of God. It is active. When you live there, guys like D.L. Moody and Jonathan Edwards, they go into their private worship. They didn't want to come back. D.L. Moody said there was an experience in his life where he got caught up in private worship. The communion with God was so great, he felt that if God didn't stop it, he was going to be swept away into paradise. But there's so many distractions, and you and I have got to figure out a way to do this. We need to teach our children to do this, this isolated thing. I was speaking at a conference in Florida, and uh, the worship leader guy came up. He said, hey, man, you remember me? And I said, I don't. I'm sorry. It was, it's, you know, and he's, uh, he said, I was at Spring Hill Camp, and you were speaking, and you taught us about private worship, and when you got through, you said, hey, I want you to be like David. One thing you want to develop is this private worship. You're going to seek after it. I, I want, I want to, and I sent them out to build little altars out in the woods, like construct an altar from leaves and twigs and rocks and everything, and find that isolated place away from the camp. I got permission to do this. It's dangerous with high schoolers, I know. He said, that impacted my life so great. And I've journeyed so far. One thing I've asked of God, this would continue to develop, that I would gaze at him all the days of my life. It's transformed my life, Chuck. My marriage, my family. I went back to that camp. He said, I took my two little boys and I took them out into the woods and that little altar was there that I still built. It was so isolated. I sat my boys down and I said, this is where I really met God for the first time in worship. And he taught his boys how profound. That experience needs to be developed in their lives. You can't sit in your office and do it. You can't sit in your study and do it, although I've been guilty of that. It's not the same when I disappear in isolation but it's got to be cultivated. It's got to be done. Now, it's an art. Art takes time. Art's full of creativity. There are steps to it. In 1 John chapter 1, I'm just going to peek at it because we have to finish here, and then maybe I can come back sometime and, and give you a little more of this. In 1 John chapter 1, John says this. And it, it, John writes, now here, let me give you context. John writes against antinomianism. You know what that means? I'm saved by the grace of God, but I don't have to live like I'm saved. John wrote against that. He said, you can't do that. He also wrote against the agnostics, or Gnosticism, which was gnosis in the Greek, which is, I've got knowledge. God could never come in the flesh. This Jesus guy, that's not impossible. That he, that's not possible he could be God because God would never, the flesh is corrupt. So John writes this letter specifically to demonstrate the, the, the humanity of Christ and writes against those who say, I'm a Christian, but I live like I'm not a Christian, but I'm under grace, so just may sin abound in my life, whatever. It's just so he writes a letter. But in the letter, it screams out here. Chapter one, verse one, that which was from the beginning, Jesus, which we have heard, writing against the Gnostics, which we have seen. With our eyes, which we've looked upon and touched with our hands, concerning the word of life, logos, zoe in the Greek, real life, this life, the real life, this eternal life, was manifest or blown into our faces, God in the flesh through the incarnation. 
John's, he's nailing this here. And it says, we've seen, he goes on again and says, see, we've seen it and testify to it and proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was manifest to us that which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you so that you may have koinonia fellowship with us and our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Yeshua Christus, and we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. Our joy, all-inclusive, joy comes through communion with Christ. And unity comes through communion with Christ. So as you cultivate private worship, it draws you more intimate into your practical relationship with God and with one another. A church that's loaded with private worshipers and not religious people, I'll tell you what, that community better look out because the gospel's coming. In love. And so he writes this. He says, we've heard, we've seen, we've gazed, and we've touched. Now, that's for next time. And I'll, I'll get, those are some steps we need to cultivate. Because they say, we've heard it. We need to hear what they heard. They saw. We need to see what they saw. They gazed. One thing I've asked. They gazed. They touched. How do you touch Jesus? How do you touch the Father and the Spirit? I'm telling you what, private worship, it's where it is. It's where it is. William Blake, one of my favorite poets. I like poetry. I quote it to my wife. I tell her, forget those Hallmark movies for you Hallmark fans back there. I'll quote poetry and I have some snowflakes coming down and kiss you, baby. My wife kisses me, the big flake. <laughs> William Blake, poet, was down by a, no, in England, he was down by the docks and standing there watching the sunset. And there was an old, you know, an old salt, old shippy guy out there, guy you know, out on ships, whaling ships or whatever. And the sun was setting and he said, he said to the old ship, what do you, he says to the old ship guy, what do you, what do you see? Tell me, what, what would you be seeing out there? And the old ship guy said, well, what I would be seeing is this, my friend. I see a, in that sunset, I see a large gold medallion. Ah, I see gold medallion. And he said, oh, sir, what do you see? And Blake said, now listen, he said, I see the glory of God. Because he was a private worshiper. Worship's in the moment. Moment's every moment of our lives. I'd love to, if you'll let me come back, continue this sometime. He's not saying, he's not saying yes. He's <laughs> Father in heaven, help us to be worshipers. One thing, to hear, see, gaze, and touch. One thing. And while you got your heads bowed, eyes closed, I'm not going to give you an altar call. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. I'm going to ask you to pray a prayer. I am going to ask you to do that. Pray a prayer as these guys begin to do some music. Pray a prayer to begin the little bit of the journey of, oh God, oh Father in heaven, in the name of your son Jesus and Holy Spirit minister to me, please help me begin the journey of private worship, please. Would you pray that prayer in your mind? Would you say, let me hear and see and gaze and touch you through your word? Will you 
Holy Spirit, give me the creativity to cultivate a private worship service to give you glory, my own. Would you pray that right now as these guys begin to play? Just pray that. Let me cultivate private worship. Let me understand. Let me go on the journey. Let me step into the other world of Jesus' zone in a sense. Pray that prayer. Just in simple application. Oh God, help me to go on the journey. Help us. Help us to be private worshipers. And we thank you for the privilege. Amen.